Okay, uh, this is, as we said, this is a sicha. It's in Chelek Dalet of Lekutei Originally printed in Yiddish, but um, there, you know, all all of Lekutei Sichas has been translated into Lashna Kedish, so you can always find any sicha now in Lashna Kedish. But Chelek Aleph Beis Gimel Dalet were the were the first Chalokim translated. Yud Yud Aleph Yud Beis Yud Gimel Yud Dalet. Those those uh, those volumes of Lakute uh, Sikhas were printed in Lashna Kaidish Lachatila. They came out in Hebrew. But uh, then Lamad till the end came out in Hebrew. Lamad, Lamad Aleph, all the way to Lamad Test. Those are also in Hebrew. Right, but Al, everything else was in Yiddish and, and now but now has been everything's been translated now. So everything can also be found in Lashna Kaidish. Um, Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad, the first four volumes of Lakuti Sichas. The Rebbe had a lot to do with the, the printing of that. Was very involved, uh, and once uh, I don't know, at least once, he referred to those volumes of Lakuti Sichas as my Shulchan Aruch. And you want to know what the Rebbe is about? Learn those four volumes of Lakuti Sichas, right? And it's a hachalata, definitely a good hachalata to make on Rosh Hashanah to say, okay. This year I'll do Aleph and base. Now, how does that? How do they work? They're different. From Hey on, so every volume is one book in the Torah. Hey is Breshis, Vav is Shmeis, Zion is Vayikra. But Aleph base Gimel Dalid, as you'll notice, you look in the front here, right here in the back. It says Bamidbar Devar. Right? Aleph is is Breshis, Shmeis, Vayikra. Base is Bamidbar Devar. Gimel is Breshis, Shmeis, Vayikra. And Dalet is Bamidbar Devarim. So there's one Sikha for each Parsha in those, five, in those four volumes. Whereas the other volumes, there'll be two or three Sikhas in each Parsha. So each, each Chumash takes up a whole volume. So Hey is all Bereshis. So there'll be two, three Sikhas on Parsha's Bereshis, two or three Sikhas on Parsha's Noyach. That's how every volume works after that. But the first four volumes were the Torah divided up into two, Aleph base, and then again into two, Gimbal Dalit. So, <coughs> the way Aleph and base work, which is very nice, is that there's one Sikha for each Parsha, but it's actually, there's often very short little Sikhas into one big Sikha, so you can do a column or two. And it's very easy to, it's very easy to, to learn it every, every day, every week. Very important. Okay. Uh, a very, very famous sicha, this sicha, but as we said yesterday, it's based on both a sicha, but mostly on a mimer. A mimer called mimer kol adam that the Rebbe said in Tavshin Chav Gimel, 1963. Maybe it's 1962 because it was Tisha. That didn't come 1963 yet. Okay? Kayemis Machlekes you can say it's a famous machlekes. It isn't famous. Most people don't know it. Lubavitchers all know it because of the sicha. But I once mentioned the idea that on Purim, there's a sicha the Rebbe, where the Rebbe says, on Purim, that what's the difference between Purim and Yom Kippurim? Yom Kippur is only Kippurim. Right? Why? So the Rebbe says, because on Yom Kippur, you have to do tshuva in order to be granted kapara. And on Purim, you don't have to do tshuva. Purim is so powerful that it grants you kapara without tshuva. So I said this to someone once, 
Um, actually, I said it in a house of a neighbor last Purim. I said it over in the house of a neighbor, and his son is rather Hasidically challenged. And if I had said black, he would have said white. I mean, it didn't matter what I said, but he would, what? Kapara without tshuva, stupid, no such idea. It's a chazal in the Gemara, right? But I mean, I wasn't going to stand up with it. We all know it. He didn't know it. Okay. Why do we know it? Because of this. Kayam is machlekes be Gemara. There's a machlekes in the Gemara. Oydes kapara savenish or yamakipur. The word oydot means about. Avram Avinu asks Odot Bano, the Homer says, about his son, Yishmael. He's worried about Yishmael. There's a machlekes in the Gemara about Kapara of Avenus of Yom Kippur. Rabban and Aimim, the Chachamim say, the majority opinion, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Enimachapir El Alashavan. The Yom Kippur only grants atonement to people who do tshuva. The Rebbe Yomir Rebbe, Rebbe Yudanasi, the author of the Mishnah. Bein osa tshuva, bein lo osa tshuva, whether a person did tshuva or didn't do tshuva, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur atones for that person. Why? Mishum shitzuma shoyem mechapa. Rebbe gives a reason. Because the essence of the day brings about kapara. Atonement, okay? We don't have to translate the word anymore. Va'alochi k'rabbanan, va'alochi is like the rabbanan, that we have to do tshuva. Okay. That's the machlekes. So obviously this young man had never heard of that machlekes because he, you know, ridiculed the idea that there's such a thing called tshuva, uh, kapara without tshuva. Well, it just happens to be the sheet of Rebbe and the Baraisa. But uh, I wasn't going to start it. You know, his father was sitting there. I didn't want to start it. His father's a nice guy. Just sent his kids to the wrong yeshivas, that's all. <laughs> okay. So now the Rebbe's going to explain the Machlekes, and the Machlekes is obviously not what it seems to be. Again, Chachamim say you have to do tshuva, Rebbe says you don't have to do tshuva, meaning Yom Kippur is mechapa even without tshuva, doesn't mean you don't have to do tshuva, but Yom Kippur is mechapa even without tshuva, and then Rabbi says, "Sheitzume hayyim mechaper." The essence of the day atones. Beer divreim. The explanation of their words. Hamachlekes eina. The machlekes is not the following. Sherabanan sevrim. That the rabbanan who hold you have to do tshuva, they hold sheitzume shayyim eina mechaper. That the essence of the day does not bring about kapara. For raka tshuva mechaperes, and only tshuva brings about atonement. That's not what they think. Gam ladas rabbanan, even according to the das, the understanding of the rabbanan, itzuma shuyem mechaper, the essence of the day brings about kapara. Kloimar. Now, that's rather obvious if you really think about it. Why is it obvious that the, the kapara and Yom Kippur isn't dependent solely on our tshuva? Why is that just... Something that, I mean, you know, when you say something's obvious, then people can never think about it. But, well, if the kapara that I get is commensurate to the tshuva that I do, so I can do tshuva any day. What do I need Yom Kippur? Do tshuva on Tuesday. What are you? And then you, tshuva produces kapara. You do tshuva, so that cleanses you. Okay, so what do I need Yom Kippur for? 
if the tshuva, if the kapara on Yom Kippur is commensurate to the tshuva that I do, so just do tshuva. Forget Yom Kippur. I wouldn't mind having, a, you know, one less day where I don't eat. <laughs> but obviously Yom Kippur does something greater than the tshuva I do, and that's why there's a Yom Kippur. Okay, so, so exactly what the Machlekes is, we don't understand, but clearly even the Rabbanan hold that Yom Kippur itself affects Kapara. Otherwise, I don't need Yom Kippur. It's the truth. Gam ladas Rabbanan itzuma shayim mechaper. Also, according to the Rabbanan, the essence of the day mechaper, kloimer, ha'adam atzmai, the person himself, be'emtsos ha'tshuva sheloi, obviously not shela, right? Because we're talking about an adam. Through his tshuva, enay mesugal is not able to reach that level of kapara, that level of atonement, of cleansing, that comes as a result of Yitzuma Shoyim. And again, that's all, that's intuitive, right? Because I, otherwise I don't need Yom Kippur. Obviously Yom Kippur affects some level of cleansing that my tshuva can't affect. Okay, so then, so then what do I need tshuva for on Yom Kippur? I understand why I need tshuva all year long. What do I need tshuva for on Yom Kippur? Hamachlekes bein Rebbe v'Rabbanan, the machlekes between Rebbe and the Rabbanan. Rebbe says that Yom Kippur affects atonement even for those who don't do tshuv. The Rabbanan say only for those who do tshuv. He ketzad yecholim lagia el hakapara shel How can I reach the kapara of itzuma shayim? How do I access that level of kapara, that level of cleansing that comes as a result of the day? Rebbe Sever, Rebbe holds, opines, in Bayam Kippurim, with the coming of Yom Kippur, Miyad immediately, Meir, it illuminates a Tzumah Shoyim, the essence of the day, the nature of the day. And our Rebbe is going to explain to us how that works. That's going to be the question in the Mimer. Afilu Keshadim Adayin Loyasachuv, even if a person didn't yet do Chuva. He still is ultimately cleansed because he said, you just live through the 25, 26 hours of Yom Kippur and you'll come out the other side, according to Rebbe, cleansed. Now, obviously the Rebbe's going to say it later in the in, in the Sikha, but it's obvious that if you do something contrary to the nature of Yom Kippur, so then Yom Kippur is not going to affect you. Cleansed. Now the Rebbe is going to ask exactly how that happens, but okay. According to Chachamim, no, you have to do tshuva. What's the machlekes? How do you access that reality called itzuma shoyim? How do you access this incredible state of the essence of the day, granting kapara? Do you have to do tshuva to sort of open the door and get into the room, or you just walk into the room? The room's there. If you're in the room, then you get it. You don't have to do anything to walk in the room. According to according to the Chachamim, you have to walk. You have to do something to get into the room. It's called tshuva. But once you're in the room, so then whatever happens in the room is much greater than your tshuva, which again makes perfect sense. It can't be that the, the, the atonement is only commensurate to our tshuva because as we said earlier, then I don't need Yom Kippur. Just do tshuva. You do tshuva any day. Rebbe says that immediately as Yom Kippur comes, 
the essence of the day illuminates, and a filu, if, even if a person hasn't yet done tshuva. Va'itzumel she'yem, and the essence of the day, atzma itself, mechaper ala ve'noisav, cleanses him from his wrongdoing. For Rabbanan Seifri, and the Rabbanan Hol, she'chdei la'giyah le'kapara she'litzumel she'yem, in order to reach that state of kapara, there has to be first a Vedas Tshuva. I have to do something. But again, the response to what I do is greater than what I did. Otherwise, again, I don't need Yom Kippur. Va'az, once I do that Tshuva, even the Chochamim agree. Yeshna gamap kapara shel There's the, the atonement of Itzuma Shoyem. Shehi nailis yesu, which is higher that comes as a result of the tshuva alone. Again, as we said already five times, because otherwise then the Yom Kippur is irrelevant. Obviously, the Yom Kippur does something that my tshuva can't do. Aval hakol but everybody agrees, and this is the end of the Rebbe's pshat, you know, simple pshat in the, in the, in the b'raisa, she tzuma she that the essence of the day is mechap. That's not the machlekes. You look at this machlekes, especially since the reason of tzuma she comes after Rebbe. It says, Chachamim say that Yom Kippur is mechaper ala shavim, veloy ala shavim. Yom Kippur grants atonement for people who do tshuva, but not the people who don't. And then Rabbi says, everybody. Because it's mechaper. So you might think that the, the machlekes is, well, is the essence of the day mechaper, or is there is tshuva mechaper? And our Rabbi just pointed out, and again, it's simple pshat, because he can't really say otherwise, otherwise you've been mevatel the whole reality of Yom Kippur. That no, everybody agrees it's so much mechaper. The question is, how do you access that? So the Chachamim say you have to do tshuv. And Rebbe says, no, just live Yom Kippur. That doesn't mean you're going to sit there and say, I'm not doing tshuv, I'm not doing tshuv. Obviously, that's ridiculous. But you have to be successful in your desire to somehow root something out of yourselves. Just daven. Daven, don't eat. Think about, you know, how you wish the guy davening Musaf would hurry up because he's draining a cup and, you know, like everybody else in Yom Kippur. You know, like, hurry, you know, stop draining a cup. We're all standing here. We're tired. You know, just finish. He's going... (laughs) I never understood. I I started davening from the Ahmed, I guess, about 10 years ago. I always was in awe of the people who stand there the whole time. Like, how do you stand there the whole time? Stand there with your feet together during all of Chazara, right? And when we stand up, so there's times we stand up and by the end of it we're ready to sit back down again, right? Well, they stand there the whole time. Their feet together. So I always thought this was quite astounding. Then I started davening Shachos from the Yambad on Rosh Hashanah. The last thing you think about, you're completely unaware of the fact that you're standing there. You're thinking about all sorts of other stuff, like you know, making sure that you're, you know, davening nicely, and that you, you know, you're remembering the tune you want to sing, and that you're saying the words, and that you're remembering what the words say, etc., etc. Right? Okay. It's so interesting. I asked the chassan once. He said, "I don't think about it." I said, How can you not think about it? I just standing there while you're, you know, while you have us standing up and you're busy singing. I'm annoyed because I want to sit down, and you're busy. Just say it. We want to sit down. He said, "No, you don't think about it. It's true. You don't think about it." When you finish, you think about it. When you go sit down after standing there for an hour and a half, you really think about it, and you realize, whoa. <laughs> but it's very interesting. And personally, during Musaf, I feel it. When I'm davening my silent Musaf, I'm feeling the effects of having stood there for shachos for two hours. Right? But it, it's so interesting, just 
just don't think about it. Just, you know, mind over matter. Like you just, it's not where you, that's not where you are. So it's like, you know, it's such a lesson in what you can do if you're focused on one thing. So just, you don't notice the other. So what, what should we be focused on on Yom Kippur? Davening, okay? Say that's what we're focused on. Tshuva, hopefully. What if I'm not successful? Somehow I can't reach down and dig those things out. So according to Rebbe, still cleansed. And that's the question the Rebbe's going to ask. How does that work? The Rebbe's going to explain to us how tshuva works. I understand how tshuva would be. We might not yet, but we'll see it in this. In the, in the, see. The Rebbe explains very clearly how tshuva works. But how does Yom Kippur work? How do you just live through 25 hours and come out of it a different person? How does that work? Al-Pizeh, based on this, Gam Yuvnu, this is a parenthetical statement, but a very interesting one and important to know. Al-Pizeh, Gam Yuvnu, it's also understood. Divrei Chazal, the words of Chazal, Al-Hapasuk, regarding the Pasuk, Dirshu Havaya Bihimatzeh. Search Hashem where he can be found. Oh, so where can he be found? Chazal say, These are the ten days between Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Right? It says ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, what, what's wrong with that statement? There's something wrong with that statement. These are the ten it's days... Why? There's ten days. Yom Kippur is the tenth day. Yom Kippur is Yud. But there aren't ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It doesn't say ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. It says the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's only seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Right? Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. So why did Chazal say that? Chazal know how to say this ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. But there aren't, and that's why in the font you'll notice Asara is written in a different font. Midivri Chazal Begemar Muvan. The Rebbe explains why they say it the way they say it, because there's a double entendre. From the words of Chazal in the Gemara, it's understood. Ki, Lamreis, despite the fact, Shagam Yemei Rosh Hashanah V'yomaki Purim, that even though also Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Nichlolim are included in the ten day in in the ten days of Chuva. And that's why it says at the beginning, Elu Asara Yamim. These are the ten days. There's ten days of Chuva, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So why doesn't it say the ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur? Oh, that would indicate that all of those days are the same. And they're not. There's two different levels of those 10 days. There's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on one level, and there's the days in between on another level. And so that double entendre is, is, is mentioned by Chazal by saying the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's 10 days, and they're all days of tshuva. But the days that are only days of tshuva are between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur stand out there's some level of reality in Rosh Hashanah and Kippur that transcends Chuv, that's higher than Chuv. That's why Chazal say it the way they say it. They don't say the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, because then that would be there all the same. No, no, no. The 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the 10 days of Chuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. In other words, the days that are only days of Chuva are between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then there's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. 
There are also days of tshuva, but there are also something else. It's amazing shot in the Chazal, but of course you have to notice these things in order to say it, and most people just read it and don't even notice that it says something that's not true. Where? Second column. That even though they're included in the their essential matter, their essential reality is not misbate expressed. That they're days of tshuva. There are days of tshuva. But that's not their ikr. And that's why it says, what are the days of tshuva? They're bain, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The days of tshuva are between. Shabain Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He kalalusam, their inclusion. Be'yaser simei tshuva, in the ten days of tshuva, he is hadarga nechusa, Shabu Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's the lower level of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's a sikha earlier, just looking, the sikha right before, in the, in the, not right before, the right before is Parshas Viela, but the, there's a Rosh Hashanah sikha that's also based, based on a mimer that, that discusses the unique quality of Rosh Hashanah. This discusses the unique quality of Yom Kippur. But they're both unique, and they both stand above days that are solely days of tshuva. So the days of tshuva are the days, the seven days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, since we won't have a chance to talk about those days until it's actually those days, actually, you know, Wednesday morning we'll be able to talk about it, but w- what do we learn in Chassidus if I forget then? So then I'll, I'll do tshuva right now. I'm doing tshuva now for what I, the Avera I didn't do yet. Right? I'm going to tell you about it now. So that, that this, is, this is a great moment in education, guys. We're doing tshuva for something I didn't do yet. That's amazing. Right? Okay, what I, I might forget. But what's important to know about this ten day, the seven days of tshuva in between? Seven is an interesting number, obviously. What's seven? Natural. Natural, okay. What else is seven? Sure. Days of the week, right? In other words, you have an opportunity in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to elevate every day of the week from the previous year and to prepare every day of the week of the next year. Every Yom Revi'i, every Yom Hamishi, every Yom Shishi, every, because those levels of time, as we talked about, they just repeat upon themselves. There's seven levels of time, and they just keep happening. There's Yom Rishon, there's Yom Shani, there's Yom Shlishi, and it just keeps happening. Now, there's, no, there's no new level of time that happens when you finish a week. You know, it's back to the same level of time you were at but last week. Right? In terms of days of the month, there's something new. In terms of months, it changes. In terms of weeks, it just happens. One hour, just over and over and over and over. Right. So how do you elevate all of your Yom Revi's? Next Yom Revi. This is a hard day. Because it's a fast day. You're also exhausted from Rosh Hashanah because Rosh Hashanah is very hard work. It really is. It's just hard work. You're davening a lot and then you go eat a lot and then you go daven a lot and you go eat and you just like feel like you're bouncing back and forth between davening and eating. And you are. Right. You get a little sleep at night, Baruch Hashem. But... Okay, don't sleep in on Rosh Hashanah. You've got a date in court at whenever Shachar starts, so you don't miss your day in court. Right? The judge isn't happy when the people who are supposed to be standing in front of him don't show. <laughs> so make sure you're up. 
If you don't get up for some strange reason, don't beat yourself up. Just go. Basimcha. Okay. So, so th- we get to elevate each of those days, and that's the seven days between, and those are days of tshuva, where we can elevate through our tshuva on those days, every Yom Revi, every Yom Chamishi, every Yom Shishi of the previous year, and also set the tone for days the next year. Now, Baruch Hashem, we're not going to fast on every Yom Revi next year, right? but the first one we will. <coughs> it's one of the easiest fasts of the year, because... First of all, you're busy. Second of all, you ate so much on Yom Kippur, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. You ate so much on Rosh Hashanah that you're really, the idea of just giving your body a right, four Yom Tov meals. So, I, okay, I can just you know, give my body a few hours rest here. I won't eat breakfast and lunch, nothing will happen. Just remember to drink a lot the night before. Food is not of the issue. Drinking is the yeah. Just drink a lot. Of, yeah, exactly. Not, not not sugary drinks, right? Don't drink a lot. Of, yeah, well, okay. Obviously not mashka, but uh, not not sugary drinks. They don't help. Right? Just drink a lot of water and hydrate well, and you'll be fine. So relative to Rosh Hashanah Kippur, the fact that Rosh Hashanah Kippur are included in the ten days of tshuva, they are days of tshuva. There's no question, but. That's a lower level. Rosh Hashanah and Kippur also have a higher expression than tshuva, which the Rebbe will explain. Ve'ilu, in yonema atzmi, whereas their essential reality, he lemailem, he says, higher than tshuva. And again, the Rebbe will explain three different levels of our connection to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Mitzvah, tshuva, something higher than both. Ikarash Rosh Hashanah the essence of Rosh Hashanah, what's Rosh Hashanah all about? Make me king upon you. We talked about it yesterday at the end of the Maimah. Make me king upon you. And the Iker of Yom Kippur, that the essence of the day brings about Kippur. The cleansing of this day. That is given. Manik, a manak, is like a present. We learn about a manak in the Torah that when someone when someone sets an evid free, they give him a manak. They give him a certain amount of money that he can go set up his life. A manak is is also used in modern. A, a soldier when he leaves the army gets a manak, a certain amount of money that he can you know. I mean, he gets a, a couple of things. He get you know a little bit of cash he can use right away. So gets all sorts of money that can be used for education later. Certain manak that if he uses it for his education, so then he gets them. If he doesn't, then he then he doesn't get to use the money. Is it always money? A manak doesn't have to be, but I mean, usually it is. But but uh, you know, in the case of the army, yes, he gets money. He gets money for his education. Okay, what if he doesn't go to college or go to school to learn a trade or whatever? So then he doesn't get to use that money. He doesn't get to use it to go to Thailand. Uh, he has to. He has. He gets a little money that he can use to go to Thailand. Also, that's how everybody goes to Thailand. But but uh, there's different. That's called a manak, right? When someone leaves a job, often he'll get a manak. So that's the word manikim. They give to him. We learn it from the Torah relative to an evid. Shemanikim milamayla that it's given out, apportioned to, from above to every person. She'ena nimdedes, and this line is very important, we have to understand this. She'ena nimdedes, that is not measured, lafia vedas a in accordance with his tshuva. Because after all, we already said it. If my kapara is measured in accordance with my tshuva, then I don't need Yom Kippur. Do tshuva. 
And tshuva affects kapara. There's no question. And the Rebbe's going to explain how. As matter, the question is, how does Yom Kippur affect kapara? Tshuva? The Rebbe's going to say something very, very important to us now in terms of how tshuva will actually affect kapara. And explain the, the mechanics of tshuva. Okay. Now, how does Yom Kippur do it? Okay, that's the question the Rebbe's going to ask. But, however that happens, Yom Kippur affects a tshuva, a kapara greater than my tshuva. Clearly. So now the Rebbe explains the union of Kapara and what Tshuva is all about. Kapara, ain Peirusha, its explanation is not rak only sha'adam eno nenesh, that a person isn't punished of Urachet. Kapara is not clemency. That's not Kapara. Ela, gam shanimchak minafshe, it's erased from his soul. Haravav. Haravav is a word for something that's not clean. I mean, it's usually translated filth, which is... You know, Isn't like, no, Ravav. No, no. Ravav is, is the opposite. <coughs> Ravav is the filth. Which word was that? Ravav. Shanimchak. Nimchak is erased. A machak is an eraser. The thing on the top of a pencil. It's called a machak. That thing over there is a Okay. Ravav, the filth. It's like a heavy word, filth, so we use Ravav. Vapgam, the blemish. Shinishava that came into being al by virtue of the hate that he did. When a person doesn't obey, they affect their neshama negatively. Right? If you were to eat, if you were to drink gasoline, that would hurt your goof, right? Your goof's not supposed to drink gasoline. Well, your neshama is not supposed to eat non-kosher food. So it hurts it. It affects it. Okay. Averas are real. <laughs> Elokus is real. It's not healthy. Okay, so it affects us. It makes, it makes the neshama less healthy than it could be if it were, if it were uh, uh, eating the proper food and doing the proper activities. So if a yid does something against the will of a Kaddish Baruch, that affects their neshama negatively. Okay. Not okay, but that's what it is. You say to Mizu. So what's kapara? Kapara is not simply that I'm not punished. Kapara is that the neshama is healed, cleansed from the schmutz that I put on it. <coughs> you say to Mizu. Furthermore, tachlisa kapara, the ultimate kapara, Loizu bilvad, not only shaloi neisar that doesn't remain a roshim, a residue, a mark miavedus from the avedus that the person did. Ella tachlisa, the ultimate expression of kapara, is based on the fact that tshuva can bring about the following: shazdenis, the negative act, atzman, those themselves. Nefachim are transformed, v'nechshavim, and considered kazachias as something positive. Right? What does Chazal tell us? Tshuva mi yira, tshuva from fear. So then what? Zdeines nasekish gogas. My willing improper behavior is transformed as if I did it unwittingly or unwillingly. I mean, I did it by mistake. Not exactly by mistake, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I knew very well what I was doing. Right? Mazid means a person does some act willfully. He knows it's Shabbos. 
he knows that this is Osir and he does it anyway. Shegeg is, he doesn't know it's Shabbos, or he doesn't know it's Osir, and he does it. Okay? So Tshuva Miyirach, as I'll say, turns the willing Aveda into an unwilling, unwitting Aveda. Okay? Much less. Tshuva Miyahava, Tshuva from love, transforms the negative into positive. Now, that, of course, is completely and totally beyond rational understanding how that happens. Say there, but okay. I mean, that's not a reasonable <coughs> thing. It's a very wonderful thing for you and I. It's not a reasonable thing. Okay. So, and that's the ultimate kapara. Meaning, not only is it the Aveda doesn't affect my neshama negatively. It's as if, instead of sitting on the couch, eating potato chips and drinking Coca-Cola, I spent that time in the gym. That's what happens. What can that be? I understand that you know, eating the potato chips and drinking the Coca-Cola, so it won't affect me. I, I'm not going to put on weight and get pimples and, and my, you know, my heartbeat will you know, disintegrate. No, I understand. That won't happen, because I did chew how does it turn into as if I was in the gym the whole time and I'm in unbelievable shape? I'm in unbelievable shape because I sat and ate potato chips and, and drank Coca-Cola? In Gashmias, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what happens in Ruchnias. I did the equivalent of eating potato chips and drinking Coca-Cola on the couch. It's called an evade. I just did something that's, you know, completely not good for me. Okay. A lot worse than potato chips and Coca-Cola. It was like eating rotten potato chips and drinking gasoline. Okay, so I sit there and I do that to myself. And that turns into as if I was in the gym exercising that whole time. Because I had chuva miyav. What can that be? All of a sudden I have muscles for my rotten potato chips. I'm, what do they call it when the guy, he's, what do they call it? They go to the gym to become, what? Ripped. 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 He's ripped. Right. Someone sent me a thing and said, the person who invented Velcro died. Rest in peace. R.I.P. <laughs> so, right. Okay, he's ripped. So that, doesn't, that just doesn't make any sense, right? It's very hard to understand how that works, but that's what tshuva does. Tshuva mi'av. I do tshuva because I love God and want to come close to him. Not I do tshuva because I'm afraid of getting smashed. If I do tshuva because I'm afraid of getting smashed, so then eating all that junk won't affect my heart negatively, but it certainly doesn't turn into something positive. So I won't get heart disease from it, but... Uh, what? The seven days are between us, tshuva No, love Davka, I can do tshuva miyava. Tshuva, tshuva affects that all the time. That's what tshuva is. Yom Kippur brings that about... Without even, on a level beyond tshuva, not commensurate to my tshuva. Relative to my tshuva, I can, the level of my tshuva mi'ava will bring about a commensurate change in the way those activities affect me. They can be transformed from a negative effect to a positive effect by my tshuva mi'ava. That you and I can all do at any time. Something else happens on Yom Kippur that's obviously beyond that because 
Again, I wouldn't need Yom Kippur if if I if I if if Yom Kippur isn't doing something greater than what Tshuva can do, or in a different way, then so I can reach a higher level on Yom Kippur than I can during the week. We'll see. We'll, let's see what that is. We don't know what that is yet. But that's what Kapara is. The first thing we have to understand is what Kapara is. Now, obviously, whatever Kapara I get commensurate to my chuva will be limited by my chuva. So that means there'll be a certain level of limitation of the Kapara because by definition, my chuva is limited because it's coming from me and I'm limited. But that doesn't mean that I can't bring about incredible change. In, in simple terms, chuva. And here we're talking about the Baal Tshuva, not, not the sociological Baal Tshuva, but that that's a muscle that can help us understand it. Very often the sociological Baal Tshuva is more excited about Yiddishkeit than the person who grew up with it. Why? Well, other Abba. Dafka, because of all those favors, they find mitzvahs more exciting, and right? Okay, so in other words, what they've done, hopefully they did Tshuva Miyava, hopefully they did Tshuva, most Baal Tshuva, if you ask them why they got into it, they don't say, oh, because I was afraid of Gehenim. Right? I mean, where'd you get that? I mean, that, that might, there, there are people who will sell it to them with that, right? It doesn't usually last, but they can sell that, right? But that's unusual. Most Balechuvo will say the reason they got from was because they, they saw something very attractive and very beautiful in Yiddishkeit. Now, it didn't necessarily have anything to do with the Kaddish Baruch at the beginning. It had something, usually it'll have something to do with me. Like, I find this very attractive. This is, gives meaning to my life, etc., etc. Okay, at some point, the person hopefully is going to put God in that equation. Right? I find serving God very uplifting. Okay, well, then God's a prop for my feeling about being uplifted. Still not God. Right? Okay, but, but the, the person's in the right place to get to God. There's no question about that. Okay, good. What, what, what happens? Dafka, the evaders that they did in the past, will spur them to a greater connection to mitzvahs. Tshuva miyavu, no question. The Baal Tshuva will be very excited about his relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, this is no question. Okay, that's simple pshat in it all. There's deeper pshat, but that's the simple part. It's the, the, sort of the psychological, sociological part. Of it. But that's true, that's real. The Balchuva looks at the lifer and doesn't understand why they daven so fast and seem to, you know, just go through it by rote. And then ten years later they're doing the same. Not that they should be, but there's something very special about the fact that the thing you do by rote is talk to God. That's what you find so natural that you don't even have to think about it when you do it. Now, obviously you're supposed to think about it. Now, you're not, right? But... There's something to be said for the fact that the person gets up, puts on tefillin and davens without even thinking about it. That's pretty cool. Because most people get up, make the cup of coffee, eat their bun, and look at the news without thinking about it. This guy doesn't do that. He gets up and he davens without thinking about it. Now, of course he's supposed to think about it, right? <laughs> I'm not saying, right? But there is something very special about the fact that that's what he does without thinking. That's so natural that he doesn't even have to think about it. Now, he has to get to the next level, and for him it's a difficult avoidance where he does think about it. But that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to do without thinking about it. Just, that's just what you do. Oh, good. The Baal Tshuva doesn't take that for granted at the beginning. After a while, Bezrat Hashem, it'll be what he does naturally. Then what? Now he's got to start doing it for the Ebrishter, because the first time he did it, it wasn't for the Ebrishter, it was because it's giving him something that he was lacking usually then experiences a certain descent 
after the high, the original, the initial high, he experiences a certain descent and says, like I, you know, I, I remember hearing from so many Bali Juva, and I remember experiencing it myself. I felt I was more connected to God before I did Juva than I am now. Because that's what spurred me to do Juva in the first place. I was thinking about him all the time and figuring out how to do that. And then okay, I found this Yiddish guy, and then after a while, so then you did like God becomes a second second what uh, like a you know, secondary thought in Yiddish guy because you're busy about doing all the stuff you have to do. Okay. So what the, the Baal Juba might say, I was more spiritual before before I got from. That might be. Okay. I remember once hearing an explanation that's very, very powerful. It's probably true for many people. Obviously not for everybody. Nothing's true for everybody, but probably for many people. They go up. Why? It wasn't for God. It was for them. The, the, the Yiddish guy provided something that was missing in their life. And Okay. Then they experience a certain Yerida. Okay, that's reasonable. Then what? The rest of their life is an Aliyah, but this time they're going up for the Ebishter. This time they're, they're figuring out how to do it for the Ebishter, and that's going to be a slow, steady process. That's going to take time. That's what they've got the next, you know, 60 years to work on. Hopefully more than 60, but whatever. Okay, that, that's a fairly common experience. The next time I have to do it for the Ebishter. Okay. First time, it, it, by definition, it's not going to be the Abishta. What, what, what concept of, sh- of Lashma does the person have before they get into Yiddishkeit and hear there's this thing called Lashma? Right? They wouldn't even have heard of it. The idea of doing something simply for a Kaddish Baruch. Right? The only religion that has such an idea is Yiddishkeit. If you were to ask uh, uh, someone who, who follows the cult of the virgin birth why they're doing what they're doing, there's two billion of them. Right? Pretty serious religion. Right? Why are they doing what they're doing? Salvation. For who? Me. The whole tenet of the religion is salvation. That doesn't mean that they're horrible, terrible people and all, but, but, but that is what it's all about. It's about my salvation. There, Yidin also will tell you that. Why are you doing this? Elam Habu. Well, no. So what I'll say? That's not why you're serving God. Do you get Elam Habu? Yeah, we talked about that. But that's not why you're doing it. If that's why you're doing it, then that's you know akin to Christianity. Salvation, my salvation. No, this whole religion is about salvation. This religion is about doing things l'shem shemayim. Why? Because God wants a dear b'tachtoidim. Because the nature of good is to give, the, to do good, and so you're expressing God's nature, whatever it happens to be. But it's about the Abraham. It's not about us. We get unbelievable stuff from it. it's incredible. We won the lottery, but it's still ultimately about Him. That's what Lishma is. I'll talk about Lishma all the time. They say if you don't do it Lishma, better to do it Shiloh Lishma because from the Lishma you'll come to the Lishma. Okay, that's simple pshat. The Rebbe says an even deeper pshat. Mitaych Shiloh Lishma Yavay Lishma. The Teich, the panemius of the Loy Lishma of the Yid is Lishma. The Teich of it, the panemius of it. Because a Yid wants Alakus. So why is the Yid davening and not thinking about it? Because his neshama really wants Elokos. He's just his Nevi hasn't clued in yet. So his Nevi Shabbos says, okay, this is what I do. I feel bad eating breakfast if I didn't daven. Today, evidently not, because waffles were going hot and heavy before the... Before <coughs> what? Downstairs. Waffles. Waffles. Heavy-duty waffle making. You know what they say, don't waffle, be definite. Don't waffle, <laughs> be definite. Really just bring back all the stories. 
Let's try to finish this paragraph. When a person does tshuva, and he has remorse for the for the for the lacking that he brought about, one of the that's the first step in tshuva, right? What are the three steps in tshuva? Well, the first step is, of course, you know, recognizing the fact that you did what you did. Then, remorse and Kabbalah Lassit, to accept upon yourself not to do it again. Okay, but remorse is part of that. And the Rebbe says something very, very powerful about remorse, harata. Harata is not guilt. Guilt has nothing to do with tshuva. Guilt is the opposite of tshuva. Guilt is I'm, I feel bad about myself. Why did I do the Aveira? because I was thinking about myself. What's guilt? I'm thinking about myself. It's exactly the same, it's coming from exactly the same place as the Aveira itself. Has, it won't work, has nothing to do with, with, with tshuva. Tshuva is not guilt. Nowhere does it say guilt. It says harata. Harata is remorse. I feel badly that I did what, not badly about myself. Bad meaning that I'm no good, because that's guilt. So that's me. That's why I did the Aveira in the first place. <laughs> thinking about me. Oh, now I'm doing tshuva because I'm thinking about me. Well, that's not tshuva, it's the same thing. I feel badly that I distanced myself from a Kaddish Baruch. That's remorse. And the Rebbe's going to explain what that remorse really is. Next line. Oikerhu, through the remorse, oikerhu, he uproots pekach, pezeh, in this, through this remorse, es hatainug shahaya loy the tainuk, the pleasure that he had at the time of doing the Aveda. Why did the person do the Aveda? Obviously got pleasure from it. People don't do things that hurt. <laughs> they do Aveiras because it feels good. Whatever, emotional, spiritual, you know, it could be spiritual also because it would be an Aveda that's spiritual. right? But emotional, physical, whatever, whatever, whatever joy they got, whatever pleasure they got out of this Aveda. Intellectual pleasure, they're reading something they really shouldn't read. Okay, fine. Tidy to tshuva, you uproot the pleasure. No longer get pleasure from that thing. Matter of fact, you get the opposite. Oh, so what does that mean? It's really an amazing thing. When do I know that I've uprooted that thing from me? That I no longer get pleasure from it? Aye, but I did it ten years ago. Why would I get pleasure from it? Very common experience in the dormitories in a Balchuvi yeshiva. Some guy will talk about the rock and roll concert he went to five years ago. Yeah, you saw so-and-so. And yeah, oh, it was great. Wow, they're sitting talking about it. What's he getting at that moment from that affair? That happened on Friday night on his college campus. What's he getting right now in the dorm across the hall? What's he getting from that affair? Pleasure. He's a cool guy. That's me. I hasn't done tshuva for that yet. He's still getting pleasure from that avail. Very common for the, again, when I say balchuva, I mean the sociological balchuva. It's perfectly reasonable. This doesn't mean people are bad people. It's just normal. It takes a while to really do tshuva. Right? Very reasonable, common thing for a person to say. I've heard this from people countless times. I'm glad I got to experience everything I experienced when I was fried. And now I'm glad I'm fried. Right? Very common thing to say. Perfectly reasonable. At a certain point, person comes to the... Hold on a second. 
some of that stuff was just a disaster. <laughs> I'm really not happy that I experienced that at all. I understand that that was God's plan and I have to deal with that. And okay, I get that. I, I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm not freaked out. But I really wish that I hadn't had to deal with that. And uh, that, what will that mean? I'm certainly going to make sure to the best of my abilities that my children don't have to deal with that. Why, why do my children have to go the same, through the same schmutz I went through? Just because I'm called a Baljuva, my children have to go through the same schmutz that I... Why do they have to experience what I experienced? Much of that was not in any way, shape, or form useful in my relationship with God. So why do I have to expose them to that? <laughs> they don't need that. Everybody has enough problems in their life with their Nebuchadnezzar. They don't need someone giving them extra ammunition for the Nebuchadnezzar, whatever it might be. Right? Something in you know, North American culture or South African culture or French culture or Brazilian culture or whatever culture it happens to be that I come from. I think it's, you know, my children shouldn't miss out on this. Why should they? Why, why do they? Why do they why, I don't know. Rashi missed out on it. He did fine. I mean, I don't <laughs> think anybody really... You know, this is not of absolute importance. This is the worst thing in the world? Of course it's not the worst thing in the world. But why does my Brazilian kid have to be a, a, a flamenco fan? Right. I understand. I grew up fry, and I liked flamenco, and then I became a Sao Paulo fan when I, uh, when I, when I uh, did chufa. Okay, fine. I have a, my kid doesn't need that. What do you need that? Right. Or a Jets or Giants fan. What does he need that for? Right. I understand why the father's got it. I get it. The kid needs the I once heard a shaliak say a very good thing. One of his balabatim wanted to take him skiing in Colorado. At a place in Colorado, one of the Balabatim, and he wanted to take him skiing in Colorado. Now, you and I would say, first of all, it's a nice thing to do with the Balabas. You develop a stronger relationship. So he said an amazing thing. He said, I'd never been skiing. I assumed it's, I, the people I talk to, when they talk about it, their eyes light up, like they just love it. He said, so he said, I didn't go. So I asked him, why didn't you go? He said, I don't need another Taifun Elam I've got enough. Meaning, if he had gone there and experienced that, which is not the worst thing in the world, right? Obviously, he wasn't going over Shabbos, so he was going on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. He was going to go ski and experience what that is at the end of the world. No. He said, but he looked at it in such a such a and He said, what if I like it? I assume I would. It's probably amazing. Everybody does it. It's just, they, that's all they talk about. What do I need another taiva in Elam Hazza? So I haven't experienced that taiva. So I'll live without that taiva. I'll be okay. <laughs> right. I have, to, I have to give this taiva to my kid? No. When, will I, when won't I? When I have real harata from it, I don't get pleasure from it anymore. That skiing isn't an aveira, right? I mean, a little tarab, seder. It's not like mamish an aveira. Right? So, so, you know, yes, a person, and it's actually good for you. Right? It's healthy. I mean, it's exercise. Okay, fine. So it's not person gets from he says stop skiing why stop skiing go skiing it's good for you it's healthy you ski for 120 years you live a long time right. okay fine turn it into the center of your life or allow it to remain the center of your life no 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 that's then the person hasn't done juva about that because that's the available uh, the actual action is so instead of going jogging you go skiing it's good for you right. My wife and I, I'm sorry it's late, we'll stop in two minutes. My wife and I were, were, were we went with the, un, the Union of European Students 
of 55 kids, we went to a place in the French Alps called La Toussier, and went to a hotel there, which I somehow this hotel had some connection to Yiddishkeit, and it was, you know, they, they, they didn't have to do very much to Kasha the hotel, it was already, I don't know what the whole story was, but we had this hotel, 55 kids, and uh, three teachers, and then the people who ran the show, the shluchim who organized the whole thing, and we spent uh, Sunday to Sunday, we got there Sunday night, and we stayed until Sunday morning the following week, and uh, the, the, the day was uh, two hours of learning Torah, a whole day of skiing, and then two hours of learning Torah at night. And uh, it was unbelievable. It was in the French Alps. I mean, it was really a gorgeous place. And, and um, they asked us, the people around us asked us, the teachers, if we would ski. They, they, the kids paid 250 euros, everything included. Everything, the airfare, the hotel, the, the skiing, everything was included in there too. It was heavily subsidized. There were 55 kids. And, and, uh, and they got to ski all day. And they asked us to go ski. Because they said, the kids will get a big kick if they see you on the mountain. That's really good. They're going to get a kick out of that. And oh, did they? My goodness gracious. When they were on the chairlift and we were on the ground, on the, you know, with our skis <laughs> next to us, on the halfway down the slope, they would see us sitting there, you know, trying to get up and try again. They, hey, Rabbi! Oh, they loved the mamish. They got such, it was true. They got such, they, they related to us completely differently because we tried. They mamish were into it. So we went skiing. The last day, my wife and I, we skied, we skied uh, my wife went the first day, I just spent that day preparing classes, as I was going to be teaching a lot. The, the second, third, fourth day I went, the third, what, I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I went skiing, but, but what I, it snowed a tremendous amount on Monday, and then it was absolutely crystal clear the whole rest of the week, which skiers, it was like, for skiers this was heaven, it was the best, which was great, except by the third day it was very icy, because it hadn't snowed, and I, we couldn't handle it. It was, it was like you were flying down there. I was trying to go slowly. I couldn't. I mean, we were flying down the mountain. But we did pretty well those first two. We, we went down about a three-mile. We went up for 20 minutes on the chairlift. Went all the way down without falling the, third, the second day. The third day, I fell in purpose because I, I was flying. I just said, there's only one way to stop. I just <laughs> fell down. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so the, the, the Friday morning, the kids were skiing. My wife and I said we're going to take a chairlift all the way to the top to the places where we weren't skiing because it's straight down. Then I realized why skiers like skiing. I mean, the view up there was, I mean, it was just out of this world. I mean, you just see, if you're on top of it, you're literally, it's unbelievable. And they get on these skis and they ski down, you see the whole city below you. It's unbelievable. So I get it, why it's a taiva. I figured it out. Though Baruch Hashem, <coughs> all the kids said at the end, when they were asked to talk, everybody talked the last day, they all said, we enjoyed, as amazing as the skiing was, the Torah was better. Right. Ten guys bought tefillin at a subsidized price and, and promised to put them on every day, and this Shluchim on campus said they were, I mean, that was a part of the deal, they had to keep putting them on every day. There were 25 guys, <coughs> ten of them bought tefillin. Almost every girl made achlata to light Shabbos candles and was given a set of Shabbos candles. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable pa'ula. Incredible. Very expensive, obviously, for the people who did it because it cost a lot more than 250 euros for each kid. But uh, it was an unbelievably successful pa'ula. But part of the thing was the skiing. I get it. I, I saw there what the taiva for that is. No question. Okay. So, fine. What do, what do I have to lose? lose the taiva for it. To do it, it's good exercise. Other rubber. No problem. 
nice way to take your family on a vacation. The family's together. No, fine. Right. The tithe of it. That, that a person has to uproot. Okay. So relative to Mamish and Aveira, well, how do I uproot the taiva? Stop getting pleasure from it. No longer get pleasure from the fact that uh, that rock and roll concert was good. That's true. That'll take a while. But I understand how then the Aveira doesn't affect me. Until I stop getting pleasure from that rock and roll concert, so the Aveira affects me. Or the, well, yeah, whatever it was that they ate, whatever, all they still talk about, oh, what a restaurant, oh, I will, oh, shrimp. You know, whatever. Whatever it is that people, you know, oh, isn't shrimp delicious? Gee, I wish I could eat shrimp. I wish there were kosher shrimp. Stop getting pleasure from shrimp. Then you do tshuva, reading shrimp. <coughs> Read one more line, and we're going to stop, and I'm going to run fast. As a result of this, the lack of pleasure... So it's cleansed from him and erased from him the negative reality. Right? That makes sense. That's called tshuva. So I understand how the tshuva uproots the negative because I really, I lose connection to the negative of that thing. I, I no longer derive pleasure from it. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I did it. I really am. I really wish that that hadn't happened. It did, and I thought, fine, that's what the Ebershter wanted in my life for whatever reason, that that thing was supposed to happen, but right now, I, I, I wish it hadn't. And don't wish it on anybody else, like my children. Okay. And also, since these, these earlier veyers, that's what brought him to this great thirst for Kaddish Baruch, like we talked about earlier, therefore, and they can actually be transformed into something positive. Because it's dafka because of that affair that the person has such a thirst for a Kaddish Baruch Hu now. Oh, I get it. So I was going to ask though, so how does Yom Kippur bring that about? What? Nothing happened. Not the truth of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur itself. 